Welcome to Unofficial Canon, a Star Wars podcast. My name is Taven. I'm Brendan. And today we are in part two of our extremely deep dive of Rogue One, a Star Wars story. That's right. Uh, last episode, we got through like the first four or five minutes of the movie. Uh, so- I'd, I'd be generous. I'd say we got through the first ten minutes of the movie. Well, you might be right, because the the... Jin's rescue, right? Mm-hmm. The line of like K2SO going, Congratulations, you're rescued. That's 20 minutes into the movie. Like, exactly. Okay. So, maybe? Because we talked about the ring, the ring of caffeine or whatever it is. Yeah, we talked about it. We kind of, we talked about the Duke who, who created it uh, without any research or planning. And, and then, couldn't you know financially make it viable so he turned it into a space spaceport right a deep space spaceport near the core (laughs) i just i love all of that with no valuable resources whatsoever except it's a city in in an asteroid belt so yeah so that was last episode we're going to talk about what's actually happening happening on kafreen but before we get there uh, the regular housekeeping. I'll make it short. You guys have heard this a million times. Patreon, we're on there. You can uh, decide to give us a couple bucks every month, and in return you get exclusive access to Patreon uh, episodes of the podcast, which is uh, me and Brendan talking about kind of the current news in Star Wars. Uh, currently in those Patreon-exclusive episodes, we are... Uh, talking our impressions of Bad Batch as it comes mm-hmm. out. And just impressions. Just impressions. We're not deep diving. I mean, we always talk a little bit about canon. Um, and what's interesting is it's uh, it's kind of an interesting uh, time to be for that coming out, us doing Rogue One, because, you know, uh, we there's a lot of implications about that kind of time period that will come into play. So we'll probably talk about a few things that happen in Bad Batch as we... Uh, do Rogue One over the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the other thing that you get as a Patreon member is we do give you like a pr- like you basically get early access to episodes. You get it about uh, four or five days early. So I mean, if you're like really gung ho on the podcast, there's that as well. So yeah, yeah. if you want to support us, uh, please do that. It it's going to help us just make more podcasts, more or less. Uh, secondly, we have a Facebook page. Uh, we post the new episodes when they come out on that, um, as well as uh, you can find all the links to various podcast suites that we're uh, available on. Basically, everything, more or less. I think we're on, I think we're not on Spotify, and that's only because I haven't gone and done that. So, because uh, Spotify puts ads in, right? R- regardless yeah. of what your content is, and I never, I don't like the idea of ads in unofficial canon. Which is why I haven't done it. I mean, if you're it, listen, if you're listening and you're like, why the heck isn't this on Spotify? Let us know. We'll put it on Spotify. Against my better judgment, that's yep. fine. But the perfect place to ask that question or let us know that is the Facebook page, uh, Facebook.com/slash/unofficialcanon or whatever it is. Just search unofficial canon, you'll find it. There's not many. There's not many of them out there. <laughs> no, there's not. Uh, so that's it for housekeeping. Uh, I, I think we'll just jump right back into it, Brendan. 
Um, let's let's do it, David. We've already kind of summed up what the last episode is. So we're on Kefreen. Uh We are meeting not Poe Dameron. <laughs> you got it right this time. No, well, not yet. <laughs> Don't jinx me yet. We are meeting Cassian Andor, a rebel <clears throat> spy slash soldier guy thing. Or yeah. Um, so anyway, Cassian Andor, he arrives on this planet. Uh, the first shot we see is kind of like a busy street. We've got stormtroopers. We've got various aliens. And he's kind of like making his way through the crowd. Uh, very eyeful of stormtroopers as they go by. For a guy who does this thing, he's like, a stormtrooper will walk by him. And he's just like, i got to keep my eye on him or he might get me. If I look conspicuous, that means I'm inconspicuous. It's reverse psychology. That's what they teach us in the rebellion. At least Saw Guerrero's Rebellion. Ooh. <laughs> but in all seriousness, Cassian uh, is on here to meet with an informant uh, who is stationed on Jeddah, but has come to Gafreen to basically deliver him some information. Right. Get um, away from it all. V- yeah. See, see the sights. Yeah. You know, the the sights of the, the trading post in space with nothing interesting in it. And in fact... You know, I'm going to go back and talk about some things we talked about last time in the book, but the book does describe ca- the the streets of Kaffrine like nonsensical garbage land. Uh, <laughs> like it's a it's 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 a terrible place, and nobody wants to go there. Like we talked about last time, the slogan of this this port city is "Where dreams go to die." Yep. So that should tell you kind of where we're at. But like we had, we we touched on this last time in the book, it established that the Cassian has basically been all over the galaxy trying to like track down rumors and find any evidence for the idea that the Empire is collecting large amounts of material for some purpose in some way, and he hasn't really found anything. Like he's gotten he's got a lot of little pieces of information, right? But nothing concrete. Mm-hmm. So. Here he is on Kaffrine, and he's going to meet uh, his informant, whose name is Tavik. Tavik. Tavik, yes. Sounds like a Vulcan. I know. I thought so, too. Um, and I mean, any name that has the first consonant T and the middle consonant V is good in, in my books. Listen, you've already got Dak. I got Dak, yeah. There's not going to be a Brendan or a Downey in any Star Wars movie, so you're just knocking it out of the park there. That's the new goal for the podcast, is for us to get big enough that we can get you like a bit part on something as Lieutenant Downey or something. Okay, Mr. Favreau, I'll do it, but I ain't changing my name. (laughs) So yeah, so so Tavik tells Cassian, here's the cliff notes. Uh, that basically there's a pilot on Jeddah who's defected and he's claiming that he has proof that the Empire is producing a super weapon of some kind. And uh, the line that Tavik says that specifically catches Cassian's attention is a planet killer. Mm. There's an interesting part in the book where they talk about his reaction to this. And it, it, it kind of stipulates that like, in the rebellion, there's two types. There's two views of the empire. One is that like the empire is an all-powerful, like almost beyond government, like a super being almost that has godlike powers that can control everything. I wonder where that thought comes from. 
in Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> the other thought is that like they're just you know they're Big Brother. That's basically what they are, and they're running the galaxy uh, terribly. So the idea of the super weapon kind of fits into that first category of thought, which Absolutely, is yeah, kind of what concerns Cassian. Because, you know, he's a soldier. He doesn't really pl- buy into that stuff. You know, he has missions, he has whatever. And here he's telling, he's being told that, like, yeah, the worst fears of everyone is is coming to fruition. Yeah. A weird little <laughs> detail in the book about Tavik is that it continually reminds us that his breath smells of cinnamon. Like, like actual cinnamon? Like actual cinnamon. I didn't realize that was in a galaxy far, far away. Well, so here, here's what I think happened. So I think that the author was like, oh, man, I want his, like, breath to, like, I want him to be, like, kind of a lowly, you know, low level, the kind of guy who, you know, takes his break and smokes a cigarette or or something, right? Mm-hmm. So I want it to smell like like cigarette. What's, what's, like, a cigarette in the Star Wars universe? And someone was like, oh, yeah, it's spice. <laughs> And the author was like, okay, okay. And then was like, his breath smelled of cinnamon. That's a spice, right? I don't, I I really don't know. But it is weird because it's like mentioned four times when he's talking. So I I honestly think that the author misunderstood, put cinnamon in there. And then like, whoever was doing the proofreading was like, huh, that's weird. And just kept going. Well, because of all the reshoots and theoretically on the book, the rewrites, they probably had to get it out quick. Yeah, probably. So ain't nobody looking at the cinnamon. Well, they needed to get it out once and then they need to get it out again. <laughs> yeah. And then who knows, maybe a third time there was, I do not, I do not envy, you know, the, the authors that adapt these Star Wars movies, because I'm sure it's not an easy task, but I'm sure you're paid pretty well. So yeah, maybe I'm not. I would hope so. Well, I mean, the seeing the way that Disney treats Legends uh, authors, I'm not so sure if, if, mm-hmm. if they would be treated very good. But uh, anyway, so the takeaway from this, from what Tavik tells Cassian, is that one, the Empire is creating a super weapon. Two, the Empire is using kyber crystals from Jeddah to power the weapon. And three, Galen Urso is involved in some way. Right? Um, and the and the book specifically states that, like, Galen Urso and Krennic would be, like, known entities in the galaxy. Because, okay, like, so they're Kr- famous. Yeah, because, like, Krennic is, like, technically the director of, like, weapon design or something for the Empire. Like, his title is very specific. And then Galen was known for working on like power systems and stuff uh early empire and he's basically kind of just disappeared right and remember the 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 rebel alliance was hiding him for a a period of time well maybe not the rebel alliance but rebels yeah saw in his group yeah saw was at least in 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 contact with him enough of a contact to be like he's my emergency contact if we ever need someone to watch Jin. Who would be good for an eight-year-old girl to spend some time with? I know. Saw Guerrera. The guy whose first name is Saw. That Uh, means he's sharp. Kids like people who are sharp-witted, right? Just so much wrong, (laughs) the Mm -hmm. thinking. But it is interesting because the last episode you had mentioned, like, we were talking about Lemu and, like, why the hell did Galen Urso go to Lemu? And it 
we talked about how it was so close to Dantooine and the connections to the you know the Rebel Alliance and Dantooine. That that could be the simple connection. It's just like, eh, we know of this planet. It's you know you'll be fine there. It's outer limit, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, there's yeah. there's X wings or Y wings that can jump in to help. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? But going back to the movie, so Tivix basically told Cassian everything he wants, just in time for them to turn around and there be two stormtroopers there asking them for their identification. <laughs> so that creates a bit of a problem. A little bit. Uh, yeah. Luckily, uh, not Poe Dameron, Cassian Andor, is uh, ready to deal with this. He uh, kind of does the whole like, oh, yeah, let me get you my my papers or whatever. And he kind of does a half turn and then he pulls out a pistol and he shoots them both, mm -hmm. which deals with the immediate threat. But blaster bolts are, you know, heard throughout this yeah, area. It, it kind of escalates the situation, too. Yeah, yeah. And they're they're like in a dead end alley, too. Like there's nowhere to go. And the bigger problem is that Tavik has a broken arm mm -hmm. for for plot reasons. It's never really explained take it as i don't know maybe a stormtrooper pushed him around a little bit or something it's too much cinnamon that's it causing a calcium deficiency specifically in an arm that's science right yeah totally and again this is the weird part because we we kind of talked about last time you know we went through i rebuilt that full scene the first scene and how i thought what it was actually going to be and we talked about how in the book Krennic's character is a lot more ambiguous as to his like is he really evil or is he just think you know opposed to the classic Star Wars uh way where it's like no no these are evil people they know they're evil this is what they do right yeah <laughs> we you know these evil space wizards literally drain take their power from being evil um and I would say that this scene especially, right, where we have Tavik and Cassian in kind of a no-escape situation and Cassian making the decision to kill Tavik is very much like, let's. there are no good, there are no bad, it's very ambiguous, right? And this yeah, is let's just, blur these lines. Yeah, it's just one of those elements that managed to survive opposed to other things. So with that said, Cassian does kill Tavik. What, what's the actor's name who does Cassian? I can never remember. Oh, Diego Luna. Diego Luna, I got to give props to him because he gives it just this little moment afterwards, which is to what I think is the equivalent of uh, a line in the book of kind of like his thoughts. Uh, and I've written that down specifically for for us to read. So so this is this is Cassian's thoughts uh, after killing Tivik. Um, they would have caught you, Tivik. You would have broken. You would have died. And neither of us would have delivered your message. The thinking is understandable, and I think even in the movie, you're kind of like, yeah, this guy can't get caught because he's very he's he's very like all over the place. You know, he's he's taking spices like cinnamon. It's 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 a bad time for everybody involved. And if I remember correctly, he was a little bit pudgy too, which means in a chase, even yeah, with gonna, even without a broken arm, he's he's a weak link. He's gonna have a bit of an issue. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the end of our scene on uh, Kafreen. And we never go back. <laughs> and we never go back. It is it is a one and done. I got really confused because when I was watching the movie, I was expecting the guys from the from A New Hope, from the pub oh, to show up. Pondo Baba and Dr. Evazon. Yeah, I thought it was in this scene because like, that opening alley looks really similar to the, to the alley on Jeddah where they actually show up. 
spoilers uh this movie's been out for four years so maybe you should probably get up on your sh- um <laughs> well and yeah. to be fair it would make more sense that they would be at some weird space trade city than what's basically like a jedi adjacent religious town yeah, they're like the and the book is very clear that there's nothing on Jeddah. Like there's nothing of any value other than these kyber crystals that nobody knows how to use other than the Jedi. Right? So like I don't even understand why there's a city there, really. <laughs> other than people are stubborn, I guess. <laughs> the true life lesson of Star Wars. But I mean, having a little let, allowing ourselves to have a small tangent here looking at that cameo of them later where it's very like on the note, they have lines. They're like basically talking to camera. How awesome would it have been if just like in the background of that shot of the alley here or something, there's those characters. Yeah, exactly. And that was it. Right. And it was something that people discovered years later or, you know, when it came out on Blu-ray or something opposed to this, like really on the nose, let's make all the connections. Well, and I did do a little bit of digging. So when we get to them showing up, um, I've, I've found the reasoning for them being on Jeddah and I don't think it's a good reason. No, it's the, no, of course it's not moving on from that. We're going to move to the next scene, which I call marching through the desert, <laughs> uh, not to be confused with marching through the dessert, which although it sounds more comfortable than walking through the desert, it certainly sounds more sticky. Yeah. We're, plopped into a group of rebels who are are marching through the desert with Bodhi Rook. Now, oh, Bodhi the pilot. Rook, the pilot. And guess what his character is? He, he's the, the pilot. pilot. That's it. That's all he does. And, and I, I'm going to jump way ahead of myself. I felt nothing when he died. Neither did I. And it's because of not just the character, but he's also the only character to say the title of the movie. And I don't like it when movies have their titles said in them. That's that's why he's that's that's Yeah. Well, you know what they should have done there? We're jumping way ahead. I what know. they should have done <laughs> is like uh had someone like go on the in- intercom and been like, Yeah, we're uh rogue and then someone else says one. Exactly. Like it like they're just making it up and then it's like, Okay, it's fine. But anyway, back to Bodie Rook in the desert. So like Tavik told us, Bodhi has a message from Galen Erso, and he is trying to find Saw Gerrera because I'm assuming that Galen Erso was like, find Saw Gerrera. That's the only person I know from, you know, the rebels. Yeah. Uh, but Saw Gerrera wasn't aware that uh, Saw lost a big chunk of his brain between the time that he knew him and now this moment. Yeah. I was just going to say, he's cuddled the boar gullet one too many times. That that also could be it. Like, he's like, they, they've been using the boar gullet on people for a while, and he's like, yeah, it's not that tough. And then he does it, and he's like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then he, like, goes back to his, like, hut and starts, like, just writing on the walls and shit. Exactly. The sad part is that if somebody had, like, gone into that room, they would have been, like, Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, Palpatine is Sith, Death Star, Yavin 4, Luke Sky. Like, it was all mapped out there. Saw Saw knew it all. Saw knew it all. But it all got destroyed. It all got destroyed. Thanks, Tarkin. Anyway, so they are... uh, (laughs) This desert is uh, Jeddah, 
another desert planet in Star Wars. Uh, they love their desert planets. Each movie needs one. It needs, but not the same one. We just keep introducing new ones and and call it a day. Although I'm sure there's like I don't know what the heck the word would be, but like someone with like a PhD in desert science <laughs> who's like, well, you say Tatooine is more of a corporeal like desert, and this is more of like an Amazonian desert with, with, with geological volcanic uh, eruptions in the in the in about fifty thousand years ago. And and to me, it's sand. It's all sand. It's all there's, sand. There's nothing but sand. Yep. Um. <laughs> So, some interesting facts about Jeddah. Uh, Jeddah is also known as the Pilgrim's Moon. Because of its history, it was a place for a long time that was only of interest to, like, force wielders. Um, the holy city of Jeddah is, like, considered, like, a pilgrimage site. Um, especially back in the day for, like, early Jedi. Like Old Republic? Uh, yeah, Old Republic. I'm, I'm not... I'm pretty sure New Republic... They just, they just have their f- castle on Coruscant, and that's all they have. Because, you know, what more do you need? What more do you need? An interesting fact on the Wikipedia, which was again a rabbit hole I was not willing to go down to <laughs> down through after the first three clicks, was that Jeddah was home to the first species to explore the nature of the Force, hmm. which is fascinating, but also I'm sure will be deleted and from canon at some point in the future oh for sure um and then finally jetta is located midrim so it's a midrim uh world not too far um but again not very useful which is why it's not really populated very much like as far as i can tell there's only that one city on jetta that's it yeah i mean i guess in the context of of rogue one in the movie that makes sense in the context of a greater galaxy i don't know if i'm buying it but no you know Certainly what? It's not. Star Wars, so let's go with it. Uh, in the book, it talks about, uh, it specifically calls out that Jeddah's only resource is kyber crystals, uh, which I've mentioned a couple of times, but it, speci- like, it literally just calls it out. Uh, in the book, the trek across the desert is described in horrific detail as just being a terrible time for everybody involved, <laughs> especially when you think like, Saw Gerrera's crazy, which probably mm-hmm. means that he keeps crazy people around him, either by choice, like he chooses these people, or those are the only people that will stay with Saw Gerrera. Exactly. So, of course, this is, you know, we see that, like, Bodhi is, like, pleading with them, being like, I need to talk to Sir Saw Gerrera. I have a message. I just need to give it to them. And uh, they're just, they almost just play games with him the whole time, right? Just to, and again, going back to that ambiguous thing, I think we're trying to establish, you know, there are no good, there are no bad. Everybody is kind of in the gray, which Mm -hmm. take that as you will. And they do try to expand on that, especially with Saw in Rebels. And I imagine in Bad Batch as well, as, as that series progresses. Yeah, they've, they've clearly set him up as kind of like, the outsider in the alliance, right? Yeah, he's, like, he's the anti-Mon Mothma. He's the extremist. Yeah. I think is the best way to put it, right? He's the guy who's going to go bomb an orphanage. Yeah. As long as it's an Imperial run orphanage, right? Like, yeah. Cause it'll stick it to the, stick it to Sheev. Stick it to Sheev. That's, that's, that's Saw's tramp stamp tattoo. <laughs> I need, I need this fan art. 
Um, oh wait, maybe I don't. I don't. Maybe I don't. Maybe it'll be not safe for work, and that's that's not what we need. Um, so yeah, that's basically the scene with Bodhi. Is it's like, which is really kind of lame as his introduction because, and it sets the tone for his character for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Which makes me wonder, like, I wonder how much changed with Bodhi over the various reshoots and rewrites and stuff, right? You know, I'm willing to bet that specifically with his character, not much. Because, like, you look at, he's a shuttle pilot who Galen gives a message to, to deliver to Saw, which he kind of does. And then he gets drug along with the rescue because I, I, I really don't know why they took him other than, like, maybe we shouldn't leave him here to die in a collapsing building. They needed a pilot. <laughs> Did they? They, <laughs> they got Cassie and well, NK too. see, when we get there, we'll get there. But the thing is that they had knowledge which before they had knowledge, basically. Yeah. Which was because later in the movie, Bodhi is the one who knows where they're keeping Galen Urso. And they didn't f- know that until that moment, right? That's and, anyway, true, yeah. It's, 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 I wouldn't call it poor storytelling, but it's certainly a little lazy. Well, and, it, and it's weak to the character. Totally, 100%. So that is uh, Bodhi Rook. The first scene, he's kind of a whiny, annoying guy. And and we'll meet up with him later when he's being mind-raped by an octopus. Can't wait. So much fun. Star Wars is so much fun. It's for families. Uh, so the next scene is I've titled The Rescue. It is basically the rescue of Jen Urso from this prison that she's been in that we saw a little glimpse of earlier in the movie. Um, the book doesn't separate those scenes, but I understand why in the movie they did it. Um, because you see Jen as a child and then you see her grown up and it's a, it's a good transitional like um, time. Mm-hmm. I think it's very clear that time has changed. Um but anyway, so officially in the rebellion, this this mission has an official name. Ooh! Like so so like, you know, like the destruction of the first Death Star, and other you know major rebellion like Hoth and things like that. There is almost a mythology that has been built around uh, the rescue of Jenerso, and I would even say like, and I, I I'll be interested to see. You know, if we ever see mention of like Jin Urso and the, the 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 people who stole the plans for the Death Star, because I'd like to see them treat treat them with the same kind of reverence that like you know like Luke Skywalker is a legend in the galaxy. I get that sense when I go through the like the mythos of the rebellion of this whole thing. So yeah, it's it's officially called the Liberation of Jin Urso, which oh, hey, is man. very pretentious. Sorry, they got creative with that one. Yeah, definitely. The scene is basically there's like we're on a planet, Jern's on a tank thing of some kind. Surplus Clone Wars tech. Yes, in fact, Brendan, the vessel that she's on is actually a Kuwait Drive Yards juggernaut. Yeah, an A5 juggernaut if I remember the full designation. So that is the Legends version. This is actually the A9 turbo tank. Oh, okay. So they've uh, they've changed it slightly, but it's funny because like the the call numbers are super similar. Like, uh, so the A nine is actually HCVW, and then this one is uh, or or the 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 new one is HCVW. The old version was HAVW. 
So it's like they changed. It went from A to C. So I'm assuming this is third gen, even though it's A9. Okay, yeah. Somewhere there's an HB. I'm assuming? Either that or it means A is attack and C is like cargo. That could be it. So, but in the Disney canon, it specifically talks about the juggernauts were basically used for two primary uses. One is very obvious, moving troops from place to place. The second is it was actually uh, very good for prisoner transports, mainly for one reason and one reason alone. Um, So if you... If, if you want to go back and pause the movie, you can see that there are actually kind of two primary interior spaces to it. And they are attached by a small, flexible, like, walkway corridor, more or less. So the idea is your front one is, like, your command center, right, mm-hmm. where people are driving it. And then your back one can be for prisoner transport. And because that corridor is a flexible one, in a time of emergency, the command... Uh, module can basically separate oh yeah you can't take the the control systems and i think that's basically what happens in this because they they break in right they they do their door bust out on the back and then there's a couple stormtrooper guards in that compartment but then they nobody else comes out Mm -hmm. so i think it was literally like they locked down and then you know that was it the, the thing that I want to touch on, um, which is actually touched more on the book on the part where she first wakes up and she's like kind of ex- we're being told what her situation is. So the prison that she's on is called Wobani prison. And it's it's very clever. Guess what the planet's name is? I'm going to go out on a limb and say Wobani. It's Wobani. Yeah. Yeah. So this prison is pretty hardcore. Um, you know, it's not like a Wookiee work prison. But it's 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 stated in the book that this is the kind of place that if you have a sentence longer than five years, it's considered a death sentence. Gotcha. So it's it's a serious work camp. Mm-hmm. And Jin Urso, uh, who is going by a different name, Lillian something at this point, which is why she hasn't been found out to be Jin Urso, uh, has been uh, sent here for 25 years. Oh, OK. So the Empire wants her dead. Well... I, it's one of those questions of like, do the bureaucrats really know what ha- like, whatever. Like, I think at the end of the day, she did bad things and they put her away and they didn't care, right? Yeah. Which is very empire for us, right? Yeah. Um, the 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 more interesting thing, and it's kind of touched on in the movie, especially later on when she's like being debriefed by General Davis, I think his name is. She, her. She's at a place now where, like, she was she was in the rebellion, more or less, with Saw Gerrera, right? And clearly she saw, you know, uh, the decline of Saw Gerrera and saw his willingness to do horrible things in the name of fighting an empire who also supposedly did horrible things. So she's kind of at a point where she's done with all of it. Mm-hmm. Again, playing into that ambiguous we don't know who's good we don't know who's bad and she is supposed to be us right she's the character we see the world through uh her eyes because there's nothing special about Jin. no right like she's the main character but like what is Jin urso's skills having a father involved in the death star building <laughs> precisely <laughs> right like that's how you know when a character, like, because like Luke Skywalker is the same way. Like, what is Luke's skills in A New Hope? 
Not much. Nothing, right? Yep. And that's so that you can better identify. Because he's just a clean, he's the blank slate that you can uh, exactly. connect with. And then, you know, as time goes on and you kind of learn to love the character, then he blah, 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 blah. So, so again, more evidence for our, this was going to be very neutral, uh, especially when you talk about making a war movie, right? Like the modern war movie is everybody's bad. Nobody mm-hmm. was really innocent <clears throat> of anything. It's uh, it's not going to be like, um, you know, some of those older war movies with like, Steve like, McQueen. And, yeah, some good yeah. World War II movies from the 60s. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, uh, she's here. She's kind of like resigned to the fact that she's going to she's just going to die here. And this is her life and it's going to be fine. And so on this particular day. Because occasionally what happens is, like, the stormtroopers come through the barracks and they just pick people at random to go do work duty. And Jin actually prefers work duty to sitting in her cell all day and doing nothing. Like, she'd rather... The books, the line is something like, she'd rather deal with, like, sore muscles and tired bones than boredom. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of kind of a fun little mention because that seems to be what they established with Galen and his like he's rather deal with being tired than being bored in that first that first scene that's why he became a farmer exactly and here we Jin is gonna go dig dirt or something I don't know what mine spice I I don't know Um, grow cinnamon now going back to that uh, that first little scene with that tentacle alien so the tentacle alien is her cellmate and wants to kill her. <laughs> and he, she, this, he, she, it, whatever, I don't know the gender. Uh, it's not really specified, nor is the species. Like in the book, I was expecting them to throw out a species name, but the author was like, eh, Jin never took the time to learn what it, what species this alien is. And so neither will you have a nice day. And I just, I never, I didn't want to go deeper than that. So that's what it is. But um, she's just waiting uh, to be out in the work site with her so that she can just stab her and it'd be over. So Jin is like going, going to her death and she kind of knows that, right? And she's at peace with it. Yeah. So she's riding on the thing and then she gets rescued. Instead of seeing this as like, oh, I'm rescued, she sees this as like, I can escape. This is a perfect opportunity. I can start a new life away from the Empire and the Rebellion. And she thinks she's going to get away with it. And, but unfortunately, there is a black slender robot there ready to pick her up and throw her in the dirt and say, you are being rescued. Congratulations. Yep. Do not resist. <laughs> and that, that was a forceful slam. Yeah. In the book, it happens slightly different. He like picks her up and like brings her to his face, her, his face. And then says like, you are being rescued and then drops her and then says, congratulations, do not resist. That's, that's a shame. Cause I think I like the book scene better. Yeah. Um, so this droid is K2 SO. He is going to, uh, you know, be a main character moving forward. And I think in the next episode of the podcast, we will kind of do, Uh, a deep dive on the origins of K2SO before we kind of continue, because I think he's probably the most beloved character from Rogue One to come Uh, out of it. Yeah, for sure. 
And um, and I mean, I'd even go out on a limb and say the best droid of the Disney series. He definitely beats BB-8, but that's only because BB-8 doesn't talk. Mm-hmm. He's better than that. Lando's love interest. Another BB-8 in the in the Skywalker. I'm trying. Oh, to I forgot about that one. Which one did you think of? Uh, Lando's love interest. Definitely more interesting than that. Um, are there any other droids on this Disney Star Wars? I'm trying to think. Uh, well, we got. Um, I guess Rebels is technically so Chopper would count. Oh well, then that's. Chopper has a very special place in my heart. That 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 does make it tough. I might have to walk back and say live action Disney. I think you almost need to separate non-talking droids with talking droids. Like you can't yeah. hold them in the same category. But I don't think there's any like established. For instance, it's... in the Disney canon, other than three PO, there was no three PO. Yes, they didn't introduce a new three PO to go with BB Eight. Yeah, it was it was just the three PO. Um with the red arm well because anthony daniels gotta eat anthony daniels will have work as c-3po's voice until the day he dies Mm -hmm. he will live quite comfortably as long as he still shows up on that stage for star wars celebration every year him and warwick davis who's also in this movie is warwick still with us though i thought he passed away no i think he's still around gonna feel so bad when i google that he's not with us in the next episode's gonna be like correction to last episode uh but yeah so yeah i don't think there's any right so yeah well, well in the next episode we're gonna get into k2so before we continue um especially because there's a lot of interesting you know kind of where that design came from and and whatever else so we'll do that uh we're gonna end this episode just a bit earlier than our last episode i feel like given that you know, the last episode was almost an hour and the last couple Patreon episodes. I mean, the episodes have been an hour for a while. Mm-hmm. We're going to end here. I know we didn't get much further into the movie, but this is the deep dive. This is what you get. Look, I think we're 15 minutes into the movie now, so we're doing great. And 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 we've done a total of an hour and 40 minutes of podcast on that 15 minutes. <laughs> this so. is what we do, Taven. <laughs> I never feel too bad though because there is another Star Wars podcast where they literally each episode is about ten seconds of oh. the movie and they they move through the movie ten seconds at a time. Oof! And they do like thirty five minute episodes, <laughs> ten seconds. I can't imagine hitting the Phantom Menace ten seconds at a time. Well, you end up talking about people's boots a lot. Yeah. And how lovely the CGI backgrounds are. Yeah, no, that wouldn't be so nice. So uh, we'll end it there. Thanks, guys, for listening. Again, you can uh, support us on Patreon. We really uh, are trying to get to that first tier goal of getting back to weekly episodes where we can have an editor to take some of the work off of us so we can do more research and get uh, episodes done quicker, more or less. Um, I, it's going to be hard to keep doing the podcast, uh, you know, 2022 and onwards without that so please if you're interested and you and you can do it give us a couple of bucks if not don't worry about it like yeah. us on facebook uh tell your friends about us um hack into restaurants uh pa systems and play the episodes there do whatever you want to do get let let the people know just let share them know. just share 
and hopefully you'll still have friends at the end of it. Um, <laughs> if so not, that, you'll always have friends in us. That's true. Two strange men on the internet will be your friend. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, I think we will uh, throw it back to the tent, as it were, and uh, say adieu. So, guys, again, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye!